if you learn from it and don't repeat it, you're winning. If you repeat it multiple times, you're really just retarded. Like, it's <laughs> not making sense. You tell a kid not to touch the stove, it's hot, and they touch it, and they keep touching it, and keep touching it. What does that tell you? It's the same parameters in business. Welcome to the Amen Audio Experience, where we talk life, entrepreneurship, common sense business, and living up to your fullest potential. Remember to subscribe and shout us out on social media if you're enjoying the show. We really do appreciate all your support and attention, and we welcome comments or suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us cover. Now for today's episode. What is going on, podcast people? My name is Jonathan. I'm your host for the Amen Audio Experience. And today we have the opportunity to sit down with CEO and entrepreneur Miguel Aguilar. Miguel owns a incredible company called Self-Made Training Facility. And really it's more of a family of companies. And we'll get more into that in the episode. But he has an incredibly inspiring story and shares with us his ups and downs as an entrepreneur and uh, some of the struggles that he's had in his life and some of the massive wins as well. And it is incredible. I mean, this is someone who grew up broke and experienced a number of different challenges and setbacks in his life, but is able now to run an incredibly successful company. He has over 20 franchises in his uh, personal trainer only gym. And it's an incredibly unique concept that I think does a very good job in solving some of the challenges in the personal training and, and gym fitness space. So in any case, really thankful that he welcomed us into his space and we were able to film it as well. So if you do enjoy watching YouTube at all, pop on over to YouTube, uh, just type in Amen Audio Experience and you'll be able to find this podcast with Miguel Aguilar. All right, without further ado, let's get to the episode. Miguel, thank you so much for joining us and having us in your in your studio here. Uh, I appreciate it. Not yeah. anytime, man. You guys, uh, hopefully you'll see in some of the B-roll, but he has an absolutely incredible facility here in the Temecula area. And uh, that's not all though. This guy is not just a, a one gym type of guy. No. Tell us a little bit about self-made uh, fitness training facility. Tell us about your brand. So self-made training facility was established in 2014. It came out of a very dark situation, actually. So we had our garage gym. We just got done with our bankruptcy in 2012, where um, kind of made some pretty big mistakes financially when it came to my real estate business. And in 2012, we filed for bankruptcy. 2013, it was kind of the establishment of our, our of ourselves, me and my wife. And we decided that, you know, to help the household out, we'll create a garage gym and do private training. And we flourished within a year. My wife was voted best personal trainer in the Inland Empire magazine. And we had a list of clientele coming to our house, training out of our gym. Wow. Uh, out of your gym in your house? Yeah, at our house. Oh, you know? that's incredible. And okay. It was cool to start, but then yet, you know, we established it, grew it. And at one point or another, we decided, hey, you know, it's best that we go take this somewhere else. And in 2013-ish, uh, we decided to go to a, a different studio. And my wife decided to do it at a, a cardio kickboxing studio. Um, by then, I sold everything out of the garage and got my garage back where I, people weren't, you know, using my bathroom and things. Just back to being my home. Back to being your home. You yeah. know, place of business. Yep. Uh, we got back on our feet and she ended up going to this uh, cardio kickboxing studio and decided that that's where she was going to run her business. I was back in real estate, flourishing in real estate. And so at that point, I was like, cool, we got it. Within 60 days or, or less, actually, they closed the doors on her. Like literally closed the doors on her. Did like, she, was she leasing the space or was yeah, she, she was just leasing like a section okay. of it? You okay. know? And the guy that owned the place didn't give anybody a warning, didn't tell nobody, Hey, we're, we're about to lose this place. So they closed the doors and wow. she had a book of a business, a clientele base already and nowhere to go, nowhere to train them. So she was using the park. She was doing whatever she could to make things happen. And of course she comes to me and say, Hey, can we get the garage gym back? Can yeah. we put this back and just do that at home? I was like, no, babe, why don't you go? check out these places, go check out, you know, these, these gyms and see if you can do it out of a gym. You know, when I'm thinking the gyms are traditional private training, you know, like any other gym, I, I've always been at the gym, but never done personal training out of the gym. So I didn't know all the logistics. Mm -hmm. um, and you're talking personal training out of uh, more private gyms rather than the big, big box, box gyms. Okay, yeah. so, and okay, then like usually I don't like to name out the big course, box gyms, yeah. you know, cause I don't want to belittle them. What they do when it comes to membership Great. But when it comes to private personal training, there's a big flaw in the industry. There's a big disadvantage to the trainer. I didn't know about it until my wife, her back was against the wall. My back was against the wall. I want to keep a happy wife. So I told her, hey, go check these places out. She interviewed with them and come to find out they're completely devalued, you know, underpaid, micromanaged. And 
if you know personal training, like I know personal training and my wife knows personal training is a very artistic format. It's a very creative industry. So to put somebody in a box and say, this is the template for everybody that doesn't work. Right. Mm -hmm. So she came back super negative, crying at some point saying, Hey, just give me my garage gym back. I'm going to lose my clientele. She loves what she does. And, uh, and I was, of course, so I got to keep my wife happy. So I said, all right, big box gyms won't work. By this is like late 2013. Uh, I told her, hey, go check out these little private studios within our community here in, in Temecula, Marietta. And uh, I found three studios. She interviewed with all three. The last one uh, was off of Day Street in Marietta. She, Are you living in the area here? At the yeah, side? we're living in okay. Temecula. Okay. So we've, we've always established it here first. Um, she, she went to this last studio. There were, they had Facebook ads. They had everything social media wise saying they were hiring independent contractor trainers. Uh, and she went and interviewed with them. Well, one of the owners uh, was a competitor. I'm a competitor. I'm an IFBB pro, uh, which, you know, that industry, my wife was a competitor. So she was a competitor. He was a competitor. So they looked at us as a threat and uh, as more my wife as a threat. So they kind of belittled her through the interview, said, hey, no, we're not hiring you. We, we you know, it'd be a conflict of interest to bring you on. Um, my wife got super pissed and she came home. I was home from lunch from my real estate uh, office and she comes in crying. And of course, I'm like, yo, what's wrong? What's happening? And she basically explained to me what exactly happened. My initial reaction was I'm going to go beat the living shit out of this dude. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because that's, um, I'm protecting my wife. This is, yeah. this is, this was not cool to me. And instead uh, I, I was like, okay, well, if I beat this dude's ass, I'll lose everything. So I have to kind of, you know, old Miguel can't come back. Like just chill. I started thinking and something clicked, you know, some a light literally just clicked. And, and I, I started thinking, I was like, how many personal trainers, just like my wife, have absolutely nowhere to go? And I started like in my head as she's explaining this, this was like, it's almost like a, like a movie, you know, it was weird. I look back now, it's like, I'm thinking all this through. And then she's putting out some, some things as well. And I was like, all right, babe. And she's asking, obviously, for the garage gym. She wasn't thinking, hey, let's go build a gym. Thing, yeah. And I was like, look, go find a, 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 a business. Go find a, a place that you, we can lease for this, this amount per month. If you find it, I'll build you a gym. In the process of doing all this, she gets on LoopNet. She starts looking up for commercial real estate. And, of course, my real estate background, I kind of directed her where to go. But then something clicked on her when she was leaving that last place. She remembers seeing a sign right across the street saying there's available buildings for lease. Mm -hmm. So she was like, there's one right off that, you know, date street. And I was like, all right, cool. So I called the broker. I set it up. We tour it. And it's within our parameters, which I kind of gave her an unrealistic number. Mm -hmm. And she found it. Oh, wow. And I was like, fuck. You know, it's like, damn, I got, I got it. I got to do what I she say. Called it. Yeah, she, if, she, yeah, she if you ask it. my wife, whatever I state, I do, you know, if I tell her I'm going to get her something or do something, I do it. Uh, so I couldn't backtrack at this point. Okay, cool. Wheels in motion. Let's figure it out. Let's fill out the application in my head. I was like, Oh, slam dunk. We got this place, mm -hmm. right? The, it's affordable. We have about $75,000 in, in savings right now that we've accumulated over the course after the bankruptcy kind of just regrouped you know, lived very frugal. We understood it, like literally bankruptcy humbled me, you know, it, mm -hmm. it taught me so much. I'm super thankful that it happened in the moment. I, I, I thought my life was over totally. very embarrassing, very, you know, it, it, very dark. Um, but in that sense, it, it humbled me, but going into the application of the lease, I was like, Oh cool. We got it. And I got money in the bank. Things are good. Uh, we're stable again, you know, bank deposits show great again. Um, we're back on track is what I was thinking. And how many years after, so you said that was in 2010. Yeah. So you're, you're three years, four years later. So 2012 was a bankruptcy. Okay. And then 2013 is when we established the self-made fitness brand. Okay. And from there we decided to go to a commercial aspect. Right. And in that, in that transition, we, when, when I first built the garage gym, I did it off of Craigslist. I found a gym equipment package off of Craigslist. Actually, it was one of my friends that was selling it, sold it to me for 5,000 bucks. I, yet again, attention to detail, I cut no corners in anything I do. Um, I epoxied the floors. I, I, I put mirrors up. I put surround sound in the garage. I, I, I cleaned it up where it's presentable 
beyond presentable. You know, when you walk in, you feel like you're in, a, in an establishment. That's the look I've always wanted for for her and the, her and the business. Because if someone's going to pay you top dollar, you don't want to walk into a garage, right? Yeah. You want to walk into an actual. I feel like it's an amateur because the experience you're providing, it sounds like, wasn't amateur at all. But no. you wanted the aesthetic to match. Everything experience. has to line up. You totally. know, the attention to detail. First impressions mean everything. So I've always, always thought of that. And um, so, you know, we go fill out the application, get everything set up. We turn it in and we get a, a call back from the broker and said, we got denied. And I'm like, fuck. I was like, why? You know, in my mind, I was thinking, dude, we're slammed up. We got money. I was like, your bankruptcy. I was like, shit. You know, and it didn't dawn on me because I've never been denied anything prior. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, let me call the broker and let me call the owner direct. So I figured out how to get his number. Obviously, I have access to that information. I contacted him directly. I say, hey, we're the possible tenants for your, your, your space. I understand that you just denied us because of our bankruptcy, but le- let me show you we're good tenants. I messed up in 2012. This is what I did prior to that. Look at my credit. I've never been late on any payments. I've always been diligent to making sure my, my dues, my pays are dues. I just made a very, you know, a, a big real estate mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you give us the benefit of the doubt and, and lease the space to us? We have a great concept coming in. We've already kind of put out the logistics of what we wanted to do. And I explained it to him prior to anybody else knowing of what we plan on doing. And it was like, the only way I'm taking a chance on you is if you give us first and last months and, and double the security deposit, two or three times the amount of the security deposit. Fine. I got 75,000. Yeah. I built a gym for five, 10 grand. I'm good. I got enough money in the bank. Mm-hmm. Put the deposit down. By the time we got to the floors and the paint and in uh, the rubber flooring, the paint and the mirrors were out of money. Wow. At this point, I was like, fuck, what are we going to do? I told my wife, I was like, what are we going to do? Uh, I look at my beautiful garage and I, I see my 1970 Suburban, all laid out, custom, beautiful Suburban, original three door. I mean, if you know me and my cars, like all of them are top notch, right? I've seen a little bit on Instagram and definitely check out for anyone on, on YouTube, Instagram, like go check it out. Yeah. You have quite, and you've added to the collection recently. I have, I've seen, dude, so. I have. But, um, so I, I, I saw my Suburban and I was like, all right, that's going up for sale. And then I had a 2007 Road King that was featured in uh, November's issue of Hot Bikes, laid out, matched my 59 Impala. I was like, all right, well, that's going for sale too. You know, put them up for sale. Beautiful. I, I put them up aggressively priced to sell within a week. Uh, ended up selling them for uh, 30000 So almost I, I got an additional 50000 when I ran out of money. So the additional 50,000, it was in, in, enough to get us to open. Mm-hmm. And from there, we worked out all of the logistics, figured out that, you know, there is a lot of trainers looking for a place just like this, but how can we make it different? You know, anybody can open up a gym. Anybody can put gym equipment together, but how do we make it different? And I, I, I figured out what ruined my real estate business was my pride and ego. And it was, Hey, me, 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 look at me. I said, look, what is the perfect name for somebody that's trying to get established and trying to create something out of themselves in entrepreneurship, in independent contracting? How do we create this? And that was self-made. So we named it self-made training facility instead of self-made fitness. We already own the self-made fitness name. So instead of doing the fitness aspect, it's a training facility. Mm. You know, it's exclusive. It's private. It's what we offer. We, are, we provide elite personal trainers and coaches to run their own business the way they choose fit with our help, with our tools and systems and our foundation. That's incredible. Yeah. That's so cool. You know, one of the things you're telling me all these, um, all this about your story and then, and a lot of it, I don't know. I mean, some of the details, this is really cool. Um, One thing I'm hearing consistently, and I think this is something that is, is pretty consistent over entrepreneurs and just people who are successful and get Mm -hmm. things done is you didn't let failure stop you. No. A number of different times. I mean, you you talked about the bankruptcy and you talked about, and and from what I know of the story, it's because you did try to grow too aggressively and yeah. it was all about you. And that's, I mean, that's a mistake. You obviously learn from your mistake, you move on, but you keep pushing through. You're yeah. relentless. And so is your wife. Yeah. She goes and she's, you know, the interviews are not going well. She's crying. She's upset about this. She's angry that there's, you know, some pushback about her, um, you know, in the, the competition with that yeah. other gym. And instead of, throwing your hands in the air and kind of saying, ah, you know, this may not be for us. Mm -hmm. You just keep pushing. You keep pushing. You keep pushing. Oh, we run out of money. Ah, no problem. Mm -hmm. We're selling the stuff. I I bet that was pretty hard to part with the bike. It was probably one of the most difficult things I've had to do, you know, because I I, I was, I've lost everything before. 
right? And the thing with materialistic items, it's, it's, yeah, I love them. Yes, I enjoy them, but I can always get it back. Mm-hmm. You know, I can always get it back. And, and to me, I was like, what if this does work? This is the problem with most people is they don't know. They, they go off the what ifs it doesn't work. Instead, I'm like, what if this does? Mm-hmm. Everything negative was telling me to, to just fold in, fold in and call it a day and move on. Just look, my real estate business was back flourishing. I was killing it in real estate. I've always killed it in real estate. So why not just bank on that? But I saw a huge opportunity in something. And for the first time, I saw an opportunity in helping people instead of just helping myself, mm-hmm. you know, or just helping my wife or just helping our immediate family. You know, if you really think about our concept and what we've done in the just short three years of franchising, we've been established for five years, franchising for almost three years this November. We have over a thousand personal trainers that we we house under our, our facilities. That's over a thousand people providing for their families, for themselves mm-hmm. and some. Wow. And this is just a stepping stone for some of them. I know some of my trainers are not going to be with me forever, mm-hmm. but the tools and systems that we're teaching them, the things that I wish I would have learned at 18 to 25 these guys are learning now without having to go to college and making six figures. And now guess what? They're reinvesting that in either real estate or other opportunities, mm-hmm. but they would have never had that if we've never took the chance. If I didn't sacrifice the things that I had to be able to make this happen. Look at, we gave our life saving. I just got out of bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. We just that's, got out of bankruptcy. Me and my wife, scary. It's scary as fuck. Yeah. I, I'm, I went from having hundreds of thousands in the bank to nothing. Mm-hmm. Then to accumulate 75,000 thinking, okay, we're back on track. We're getting back to where we used to be. Then this idea comes up and we're like, fuck, let's run with it. I run out of money again. I was like, fuck. Mind, I have two beautiful daughters at home. I got a, a wife. I got a household I have to keep. I still have bills. Yeah. Every real estate commission check that I had, therefore, after the money that we just spent, was going back into the business. Yeah. People aren't willing to do that. Yep. Instead, getting the money, oh, okay, I'm going to go try to get my suburban back. No. First. And you wanted to reinvest it right away and get things going. You know, um, something else, not only the trainers, but I think you're having a crude benefit around all of the people that are involved. You know, we were talking about some Mm -hmm. of the, some of the guys who you're affiliated with and who work with you and partner with you either on the media end or whatever. And you're able to provide them opportunities and kind of put them on maybe in your gym Mm -hmm. or add to what they're doing. And again, they're learning in that whole process. They're able to then start their own stuff. And that's when you switch the mindset from serving yourself Mm -hmm. to trying to serve your community. I think that's incredible. So you were talking a little bit about where you are now, Mm -hmm. um, where the self-made training facility brand is now. How many franchises do you have? You said we have 18 franchises, 21 sold, 18 open. Wow. Uh, in just two and a half years, two and two to almost three years. I in, swear in November. I'm on your Instagram and like, I, I see it's like yeah. every other week, like a new, like you've got a new, uh, franchisee. Yeah, you know, just before you about- got here, I was, uh, selling Nashville. So Nashville's next. Wow. And then I fly out to Dallas, Texas, uh, next week or the following. So how many states are uh, We're in four different states okay. and growing. So we have, uh, Nevada, we have Arizona, Columbus, Ohio, which is doing amazing. We love them up there at Midwest. And then we have California. And then we have all Southern California, Northern California. What are you looking for in a franchisee? I mean, what are you, because, you know, there's application process, I yes. assume. Not just financially. Like, we've denied probably a good 50 franchises. You know, I'm not one. I, I had to stop selling franchises for about almost eight months mm-hmm. because we're scaling too big. We're going too fast. We're losing control. And I, again, remembered my real estate back, you know, backlash and, okay, I got to re-navigate my, my direction because yes, the money is great, but then I'm losing, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to eventually collapse like I did with my real estate business, my real estate brokerage. So you're kind of applying those lessons. Oh, big time. Yeah. It, it's, it's look at anything in life that ever happens to you, look at it as a learning experience. It's education. It's like literally if you learn from it and don't repeat it, you're winning. Mm-hmm. If you repeat it multiple times you're really just retarded like it's not making sense it doesn't like literally it doesn't con- there's no comprehension you know you're that same guy like they touch you you know that you, you tell a kid not to touch the stove it's hot and they touch it and they keep touching and keep touching it what does that tell you it's the same same parameters in business you know yeah when you uh, when you think about kind of like you said the 18 to 25 year old version of you mm-hmm. and uh, did you think that you're going to be an entrepreneur did you have those tendencies kind of early on or did you feel like it was something you grew into because it was kind of like um, one thing worked and then the next thing worked where does this where does this mindset come from so so backtracking to uh, I was a kid right I've always been a hustler 
Like I've always hustled. I've always had a, a way of making income because I was poor. Mm-hmm. I was broke. My mom abandoned me when I was 12. I was homeless by the time I was 16. My dad got incarcerated. I've been on my own since literally 16 years old, 16, 17 years old. I had my first apartment my senior year. So what does that instill in you? The work ethic, right? But I used to be an employee. I used to work for people. But even then, I cherished that. I was a great employee, even though I hated my fucking job because I needed that paycheck. So I figured out how to scale up as fast as I can to make as much money as I can. Plus whatever side hustle I ever had. You know, in high school, when I was on my own, not proud to say, but I, I had to sell drugs. But even that aspect, that hustle teaches you negotiations, teaches you how to deal with people. And it's mm-hmm. a different clientele, but you don't want to get into that. So I don't promote it whatsoever. But it's like, you understand. There are um, a lot of similarities. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm from the ghetto is all I knew, right? And then from there, I figured out, okay, look, um, it, 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 yet again, it's not legal, but I was burning CDs. I was, you know, I would go to my buddies. Hey, what's your favorite music? All right, great. I go to the, you know, the place where my buddy had a computer. I would go steal the CDs, which is not, you know, something at the warehouse. I used to do that. And I would go burn the CDs and sell them for $5. So the hustle's always been been in me. I've been, yeah. been an entrepreneur since before most. Or even take it back where when I, uh, when, when I was with my parents, you know, I loved athletics always. And I was a big baseball fan. I, I love baseball cards and football cards, right? And I would get, you know, there's a difference between Tops and Upper Deck. There's two brands uh, of baseball cards. Tops was the lower end. Mm -hmm. Upper Deck had the hologram. It was a little bit better of a a condition of a baseball card. But I'd figure how to trade up to that. Mm -hmm. I'd I'd give them three of my Tops, equivalent to the one Upper Deck, but that Upper Deck increased in value over time. I had one card that was worth 500 bucks, my Bo Jackson card, Mm -hmm. you know. And... I traded up to that card. So you're flipping, you're trading. Always, yeah. you know, so I had that instilled in me because I, it was, I had no other choice. I can either cave in and be the victim to my circumstances, to the, to the surroundings that I'm in, or I can improve my surroundings. There's a lot of people, I think, who are in similar situations that don't do that. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, they don't take it in the positive direction. Correct. You know, they take it in a very negative direction. And I think... Um, I think it's interesting that you were so committed to continuing to improve. Mm-hmm. That was probably, I mean, is that, is that what drives you? I know family's probably My family a big drives driver. me big time. But, it, you know, it's um, proving to myself that it's doable drives me. My wife and kids drive me. My, my employees drive me. My, my independent contractors drive me. Everybody drives me to improve. And even from, you know, growing up as a kid, I was always trying to prove to my dad that I was a man's man, right? I was always trying to prove to my mom, but we never got that response back that we wanted. All we wanted was love, Mm -hmm. and I never got it. So then before, I kept trying harder and harder and harder. So that was instilled in me because of the dark situation I was in. Most people would just kind of, like you said, would cave in, you know. I tell people, don't cry over spilled milk. You know, I've been through the ringer back and forth, and I, I've so far made it out. There's a way. There's a, for every problem, there's a solution. Like, we are solution uh, makers, not not problem. You know, you, you have to understand that. There, there's other people that's had worse scenarios happen. Absolutely. And done amazing things. And I've, I've always seen that. I've always, I, I like to use the word mimic. You know, I don't copy anybody. But I, if I see you have something that I want, there's two options. I can either steal it, and get it, mm-hmm. but then there's consequences to that, and then guess what? I'm gone for a long time, mm-hmm. or I can figure out how to earn it, just like he did. He's no different than I am. It's I'm kind of a process of elimination based on where you want to be, dude. I'm an average dude. They're an average dude. They're not superheroes. You know, mm-hmm. some people tend to think that people are superheroes, or they're or they're they're so gifted, right, or talented. That that's why they're at with it. It's not talent. They, these guys have talent, but yet they have their work ethic to back it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So that's that's the way I've always looked at it, man. Something that, and this is kind of a personal, uh, selfish question, yeah. maybe, but it's something that I have wondered, and I can imagine that it really impacts you. What do you? How do you keep your focus on? Um, like you said, your employees drive you, your family drives you, and all of that. How do you keep your focus on, kind of your your purpose and your destination as far as what you're trying to do uh, business-wise or with your personal legacy of what mm. you want to be known for and also handle the day-to-day um, little things, yeah. the, the little stuff like logistics of even getting stuff like this podcast set up or yeah. trainers going in and out of the gym because mm. that stuff, 
I've found could be very distracting. Mm-hmm. And it's the stuff that I think catches a lot of entrepreneurs, even, you know, solopreneurs, mm-hmm. independent contractors, or whatever. It kind of catches them on their heels and they can never really scale up because they're always dealing with this like little low level drama. Mm-hmm. How do you how how do you handle keeping your focus but then also still handling the the lower level decisions, I wanna I guess would be a way it's, to- it's real First, I take care of myself. I have my routine that works great for me. Mm-hmm. I train first thing in the morning. I take care of me. If I take care of me, I'm able to take care of others. I'm able to take on the day-in-day operations. I'm also able to understand I'm not, what ruined my real estate career also was my control, like I was a control freak. No one can do it better than I can, right? But I figured out if I bank on people treat them with respect, pay them well, they'll do their job with pride and ownership. Mm -hmm. So I hire the right people. I have a full team. It may look like I'm doing this all on my own, but if first off, if I didn't get the support from my wife, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to do what I do, right? I I, I get validation from everywhere, but I don't need that. I need the validation from my wife to understand this is where it's like almost like that same thing going back to, you know, growing up. I wanted the validation from my mom and my dad, but I never got it. So I'm very thankful that I have a very supportive wife mm-hmm. that, that is able to back my craziness because I'm mm-hmm. fucking nuts, right? Yeah. I give her credit. Married 12 years, just celebrated our 12 years. It's, it's been a roller coaster of a ride, but if it wasn't her support and, and her validation for me, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. That's incredible. Then, then it's my kids, then it's my employees, and, and trickle down you know, uh, uh, in that effect. But knowing what I'm good at is what I flourish in. What I, I'm not good at, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to put all my eggs in that basket. If I can hire the right people to do that for me, I'll do it, you know? And then to be able to leverage and scale, you have to do that. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have the right team with you, you don't need a large team. My team is small. It's four of us, believe it or not. And guess what? We're killing it. And we're doing an amazing job doing it. Awesome. So, yeah, I was was thinking while you were saying that, scaling, you have to add those people. Mm -hmm. You have to trust other people. And if you're focused purely on yourself, you know, it is hard to release any of that because yeah. it is a release. And but in the very beginning, I didn't have this team. Mm-hmm. I was doing it all on my own. Me and my wife were doing it all on our own. Was that a tough we're, transition? Starting to trust? Yeah. Oh, that was the most difficult thing. But it, it, we flourished because I'd be able to trust people. If it wasn't for Dean, my my COO, which I'm grooming to eventually be the CEO of the company, you know, we wouldn't be here today. If it wasn't for my wife allowing me to do what I do best and having her do the logistics on the back end, we wouldn't be where I'm at today. You know, our managers, our, our videographers, our photographers, our partners in business, everybody, everybody pays a huge factor in that. But in the very beginning, I did it all. How do you balance that? Uh, maybe another selfish question, but I think it's something that everyone could probably get some value from. Uh, you're, you're passionate about business. Mm. You're taking action always. Mm. You're not allowing yourself to give up. If there's a roadblock, you're trying to see, you know, how do we get it over it, get around it, whatever. Um, you're opening all these franchises. You're constantly in movement. How do you also balance the family aspect? Because your family is very yeah. important, you said, yeah. and your wife's obviously a partner here. But um, still, you know, I know being in business with my wife, it's, mm-hmm. it's tough to have a relationship outside of that. Is that just where you can both thrive or do you have to take some separate time? There's no such thing as balance. Mm-hmm. There's priorities, and, and, and my priority is always going to be my family, right? I do this for my family, you know, and in return, I'm able to do it for so many others, right? But for me, I understood this took in the last course of the last two years almost to be able to figure that out. I just kind of, I wouldn't even say figure it out. I'm just now getting accustomed to my new schedule mm-hmm. that I've created for myself, right? Because prior, I'd work seven days a week, 16 hours a day. I love to work. Not a lot of people can say that out loud. I love working. Mm-hmm. It is fulfilling for me. Why? Because that's how I've been since I was a kid. I have no other way. My body doesn't work another way. I will never retire. Mm-hmm. You know, mark my words. I will never retire. I'll pick and choose my battles, but I'll never retire, mm-hmm. right? So to balance my life with my wife, it took an unfortunate event for me to realize that, mm-hmm. you know, my wife almost did leave me two years ago. She did file for divorce. We've talked about that before. And it was because of my work schedule and the way I've controlled myself at home. Even though I left here, I was still working at home, you know. As an entrepreneur, it's hard. I mean, you're, you have your phone, There is no laptop, on and off switch. And you're always going. But I also yeah. have an addictive personality, you know. I, I have four years of sobriety. I knew that drugs and alcohol was not a part of me and I had to let that go. So what did I do? I took that addictive personality that I have and I focused it on, on, on work. 
and we flourished. You know, I have clarity. I, I'm able to decide on certain things. I'm able to make things happen because I'm sober, right? But I took that addiction and focused it on this. So then in the last four years, it, it's hindered my, my personal life. Mm-hmm. But in the last two years, you know, having that happen was a huge wake-up call and an unfortunate, but, you know, we had to go through that. It's life, you know, but thank God that we're able to understand that that's not what we wanted for each other and then figure out that, hey, what is the next step from this? And this is where I created my schedule. I have a schedule. As an entrepreneur, you have to create yourself a schedule. Every hour should be accounted for, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes you'd be surprised your 16 hours is really only eight. You're fucking off the other eight, yeah. right? So I wake Your up time at, that just goes missing, whether missing. it's on social media, hanging out with, you know, even people, even friends that you want to hang out with, but that aren't contributing. Yeah, Absolutely. it's, it's, you got to pick and choose your battles, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I decided in the last two years, which has been amazing, is I work from seven to seven. 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., every hour is accounted for, right? Sometimes I even leave a little early and go catch a soccer game or go catch a soccer practice or meet up with my wife for coffee. But 7 to 7, those are my hours, Monday through Friday. I don't work weekends. That's what I chose. You know, as an entrepreneur, oh, I got to work seven days a week, hustle, 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 hustle. In the very beginning, yes, maybe. Mm-hmm. But then you have to pick and choose your battles, right? Because if not, you will be resentful. You will lose relationships that matter. And at the end of the day, none of this matters if I don't have my wife and kids, mm-hmm. right? So from seven to seven, every hour, like even today, I told you, I have three different, like, like every hour is accounted for. We've tried to get together for some time now, yeah, right? And it just wasn't in the parameters. I have to pick and choose my battles. But now we were able to make it happen. And I'm stoked to have you here and, and be I'm able so to do this. Yeah, now, it is. But that's the way I operate. And, and some people don't respect that. And you have to understand the deal is always going to be there. Oh, I got to answer that one more call. The deal will be there. If you got something great, it will be there. No one's going to walk away from that. Oh, you know, it, it, I've had to cancel trips because I won't travel during the times that I have to. I try to travel Monday through Friday. Every so often you'll catch me on a Saturday going somewhere on a grand opening or something of that nature. But I have to fly out to Dallas, for example. I'm doing it Monday through Friday, one of those days. I'm not doing it on the weekend because I don't want to miss my, my daughter's soccer games. Mm-hmm. I don't want to not have time with my wife. And then now my wife, she started nursing school. You know, that's her goal. She's no longer, she's still always a part of the company, but she's not 100% in because she's focusing on her goal, which she's always wanted to be a nurse. Mm-hmm. And now I got a floor stats. And now I'm like super dad. I'm doing soccer. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm picking them up. I'm dropping them off. I'm doing things that I normally wouldn't have done before, mm-hmm. but I love it. And do you find yourself probably at this stage finding ways to be more efficient? Oh, dude. Where you can actually, you're probably doing just as much, if not a I'm lot doing more. way more, yeah. you know? But in that seven hours, I understand that I have to take care of myself too. So I allocate that one hour. Like I, I, I do jujitsu three days a week. Um, I bodybuild uh, training three days a week. And those are my, my one hour, hour and a half to myself. And then from there is the work day, you know? But I start early. I wake up at five. Because it works great for me. Some people can wake up at 10 and go to bed at midnight. It's okay. If it works for them and you get your shit done, go for it. But for me, I wake up at 5. By 6 a.m., I'm I'm training or rolling. And then by 7.30, I'm done, showered, and ready to to come to work. And I'm here by, you know, no later than 8. But from 7 on, I can take calls. I can respond to emails. I can do things that I need to get done within the work hour. It sounds like you're being accountable with yourself, which I think everyone talks about integrity in the workplace and all that. The biggest place I think people can be, uh, have honesty is with themselves and really kind of, you know, saying like, did, did you do your best? Yeah. Was it really your best? Did you, did you, were you accountable with, even if you worked five hours, like how many of us just actually work solidly for five hours and Mm -hmm. are no distractions we're putting in the work. And I think there's a lot of like integrity that goes into play with yourself you know, feeling comfortable that you really worked hard. Um, when, when you, cause I assume at this point, you know, you're probably, I, I reached out to you and I know others are reaching mm. out to you as well and you're giving advice. What advice do you have for someone who is trying to figure out like what they want to do? Cause I, I know, I mean, I have uh, sisters, I have three or sisters, but I, you know, I have a sister and a cousin and a couple uh, different people in my life personally that I know from personal mm-hmm. experience that are, um, kind of struggling with what they want to do. You know, they've, they're like, oh, I should get a science degree or I should go do something to help me have some security later on. That, and people always look for security and I think it's lame, honestly. There's no sense of security anywhere. They're, they're, everything can be stripped from you, right? I've been there. I, I thought I had security. I was making, you know, I'm, in 2009, I made my first million dollars, dude, as a real estate agent. Flipping That's homes and, and selling houses. I sold 98 homes in one year. You know, wow. some flips and some of my personal regular transactions. And I, I thought, God, you know, yeah. oh, I can't lose this. 
that's security, right? I have real estate properties. No, it's, I happen to figure out that whatever I love doing, how can I get paid doing it? Right? Because then you'll never work a day in your life. Some people try to find the security, but end up having to hate what they're so secure to. You see Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Totally. Absolutely. Some people, okay, you know, I'm going to be, let's say a teacher and God bless them. If you want to be a teacher and you love teaching, go for it. But if you're just doing it because it's a secure job, there's always going to be schools that can hire you. Mm-hmm. You're you going to resentful. You're going to hate yeah. it. You get your summer. You're going to fucking hate your life. Mm-hmm. And that security just created that resentment that, that, that caused that. That's why you made that decision. But if you really want to do law enforcement, then go to law enforcement. If you really want to be an entrepreneur and create something amazing, what are you going to create? And sometimes you may not need to create anything that hasn't been done before. It's just maybe it wasn't perfected. Mm-hmm. No one took the time to make it even better. Well, it's like the fitness industry. I mean, there are plenty, there are plenty of gyms around and someone could maybe have said, and maybe a voice even said to you in the back of your head at some points, like, why do we need another gym here? This is, this is the problem. And I figured it out very early, right? Okay. That when you chase money, that's the results you'll get. You'll get exactly that. You'll get. What do you mean by chasing money? Chasing money is, is okay. Clarify. Gyms, they chase money. They're changing memberships. They're not looking to impact your life and change your life. Right. They're just looking for a $10 membership. I get that. You need thousands to be able to be a very lucrative business and it does well. That's why you have gyms. But when it came to private personal training, right, it's a service based business. It's not it's not like you come and buy a tangible product and leave and you know how to use it. It's service based. So people in this industry looked at that as more you're a salesman, like corporate gyms, the trainers, they're salesmen. Mm hmm. They have to upsell you on a personal training package to be a lucrative somewhat business for them, but it's still not lucrative enough. So they have to try to persuade you to buy a bigger package than you really do need. Mm -hmm. So the service at that point is gone. And the faster they get you in and out, they can work on the next person to get in there, right? So they're incentivized to actually give you poorer service. Exactly. Yeah. They don't want to get you results. They want to keep you because it's a membership. They have to, they have, and they're getting paid below minimum wage or minimum wage when you really factor the members, Yeah. right? We saw this industry had a huge flaw in it. There's a big problem that no one wanted to have the solution for it because it took time and it took enough cojones to care about people. Mm-hmm. Yes, I want to open up a business to make millions of dollars. I want to be super successful financially because I can help other people, right? Mm-hmm. But- Unless I start helping people, I'm not going to be successfully financially. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did opposite. We the knew priorities that are flipped. They're flipped. Instead of looking at the money first, you're looking at the people first. I'm looking at the people. And if I secure that, I, I create retention and loyalty. And guess what happens? Then it becomes a lucrative business. Then at that point, there's the value there. These trainers didn't have that prior. We created that solution for them and still are trying to perfect it. And what I mean, still trying to perfect, I've said it before, where we're chasing perfection, knowing we're never going to be perfect. But what does that do? It creates us to evolve time over time over time and not be stagnant. You don't want to be that dinosaur personal trainer that has that box parameter and you only stay within that box. We created tools, systems. Yeah, it's artistic. I love art. I love being creative. And guess what that does? That allows me to do this through this. We create tools and systems that we're constantly evolving. Right. Letting these independent trainers, these personal trainers know they have a great foundation to build their house. Bringing that back around then to some practical applications for someone who is trying to figure out what they want to do. And you're and you're saying, you know, there's plenty of opportunities, but it takes cojones. Right. It takes the hustle and the work ethic to actually go in there and some knowledge about an industry or whatever. Um, And then also not chasing the money first. So, of course, you know. God bless teachers, but don't just think, hey, I want to get that tenure as a teacher because I need that job security. Yeah. Go chase something you love. So with that, you know, you could read books or hear different podcasts of people talking about, you know, chase what you love, sure, but you might end up it might end up not matching with what you need financially. Yeah. How do people reconcile the two? Because there are I, I know there are people. In fact, I can think right now, people who want to be artists or people who want to do different things, but it just doesn't actually match up with their visions of, you know, they're maybe not going to be a rock star or whatever. But that's the thing. It's, it's one of those things you don't know whether you're going to do it or not. You don't know whether you're going to be good at it or not. We didn't know this was going to be a multi-million dollar company mm-hmm. off of a garage, but you just got to go with it. If you're passionate about it, 
things will happen or other opportunities will present themselves within the same industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you may not be the rock star, but you may be the producer, mm -hmm. right? You may not be the artist on the canvas, but you might be the instructor that helps other people get to that position. And that's fulfilling, mm -hmm. right? And guess what? The money will come with that. If you're good at what you do, people will pay you very well for it. Mm -hmm. So whatever that hobby may, may be, or I call it a hobby, but realistically, it's a, it's a career choice. If you create your hobbies into a career choice, you'll never work a day in your life. And people, as, as cliche as it fucking sounds, I'm a living proof of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I love exotic cars and cars and classics. What did I go do? I went to go get my dealer and wholesale license. Mm -hmm. So now I get to drive the Lamborghini and then sell it later if I want to. Mm -hmm. And benefit financially from it. That's incredible. Right. And so many people would think, look at a Lamborghini and be like, oh my gosh, I can never afford that. You're not even thinking in that way. You're thinking like, oh, I, am I going to flip this? How much am I going to flip it for? And you're driving it the and whole driving time. It. The yeah. thing is, is it's, uh, I'm making it fun. Mm -hmm. You know, if I made it to where it was just work, 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 then it's not fun. I, I, I told myself, if, it, if this ever feels like work, I'm walking. Mm -hmm. I told myself. Now, do we have setbacks, hurdles, headaches? Yes, but I embrace them and I love them. Mm -hmm. When my back's against the wall, I perform. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, I, 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 I have a wrestler's mentality. I've said this multiple times in other podcasts and I'll say it again. As a wrestler, we are taught, right? For every move, there's a counter move, right? So you're never stuck. I'm doing jujitsu now. I compete August 10th in my very first com competition. I challenge myself. Why? Because I, I know I'm going to have problems. I know I'm going to have people that are going to humble me and tap me out, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm going to learn from that and not get in that position again. Because guess what? That move has a counter move to it. I treat life and business exactly the same fucking way. This is what it is. This is the problem. This is the solution. Sometimes it may not be the solution I like, mm -hmm. but there is a solution. Good for you. And like, keep pushing yourself. Like you're doing these different things like jujitsu. I don't know how long ago you started, but like you're putting yourself out there again and again and again, putting yourselves in opportunities to get tapped out. And you're doing, and you have so many people who complain, they, they choose to complain about what the status quo is rather than trying to level up. And that's the thing, like, for instance, example, jujitsu, it's probably saved my life too. Everything saves my life in the sense because I choose something to challenge me, mm -hmm. to humble me as well, because my ego, it's there. Mm -hmm. I, I'm prideful and I'm egotistic. I get it. How do I, how do I manage that? Mm -hmm. At least I know that's my flaw. I know what it is because it fucked me in, in the past, you know, 2012, it ruined me. And how do I not let that happen again? So I have to keep it in check and, and, and sports and athletics do that for me. Everything that I've ever done, I've competed in. You know, I, I wanted to be uh, physically fit and, and ripped. What did I go do? I go turn IFBB pro. I become an IFBB pro in men's physique. You know, I, I won my national show in Miami with over 300 competitors in my class and I take first place. Wow. I set my mind to something. I'm going to fucking do it. This is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Then you take, okay, that got kind of boring. What's the next challenge? Mm -hmm. Powerlifting. Okay. I'm going to be the best powerlifter I possibly can. At 181 pounds, I get my elite numbers. I pull over 600. I, I bench over four. And then I, wow. I squat over 500. Wow. I got my elite numbers. Okay. I got bored of that. What's next? Yeah. Jiu-jitsu. I, I, was, I was training to do MMA, but I ended up uh, tearing a ligament in my ACL, mm -hmm. uh, snowboarding. And um, so then I had to take some time off. But then I ended up finding jiu-jitsu. And jiu-jitsu challenges me because it reminds me a lot of wrestling. It's home. It feels... The guys I, I roll with, they're like my brothers. You know, we, we relate, we understand. And any given day, we can beat each other. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter whether you're 150 pounds or 300 pounds. It's, it's, it's a never-ending process, right? And I just started three months. I've always rolled off and on, but never stayed aggressively to, to belt up. And now I have a goal in my head. Mm -hmm. I'm going to earn my blue belt next. And then from there, I'm going to earn my purple, then my brown, then my black. If it takes me 20 years, it's going to take me 10, 20 years. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to compete. You're determined. You're in it. I don't care. Yeah. Right? So what did I have to do? I, I started jiu-jitsu three months ago, and I'm rolling with my guys. And, 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 I, and dude, uh, I've been tapped. I've tapped people out. So it goes back and forth. But yet, I have to challenge myself. How do you challenge yourself in something like that? Mm -hmm. You go compete. There's some rewards because you're able to tap some people, but it's also keeping your ego in check because big time it humbles you, Absolutely. you know, and the thing is that's business. You don't learn all this shit to not go actually go apply it. This is the problem with a lot of entrepreneurs or so-called entrepreneurs or people who want to get into the industry, right? They'll tell you every book they've read. They'll recite every little thing, every little quote, every little thing. They've like read everything about entrepreneurship or how to level up or how to get like the Gary Vee books, Andy for sales, all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. They 
prep themselves, just like jujitsu. We're practicing, rolling three times a week. We're getting ready for battle, Mm -hmm. but they never go to war. They never open up that business. Why do you think that is? Fear. People are scared of the unknown. They don't know whether it's going to be successful. They're banking on success, but they're not willing to take the challenges to get success. Do you think that's because they're afraid of other people's opinions like when they do fail? Or is that because there's some internal? All of that. You're your own worst enemy. Yeah, that's really true. You know, Miguel, you're uh, you're talking here. And one of the things that I'm realizing about your story is there are a lot of parts about you that you're realizing that that you might have you mentioned addictive personality you mm-hmm. mentioned ego you mentioned some of these things that uh when you see them in someone's life can be so ugly and then if you're kind of taking a, an inward look as that person you're you're um maybe you're even like doubting yourself because you do have an addictive personality or hey i have an ego and i always get I always get pushed down because of this. I always get pushed down. I always get pushed down. And, you know, oh, my ego or, oh, my addictive personality. I just can't do so-and-so because of this. In so many ways, I've seen you've twisted those things and you've made them the positive things that have kind of guaranteed your success in a way. It's uh, it's one of the things is it gives me leverage. Yeah. It's leverage. I understand myself. It's I like know a low-key who I am. superpower. You yeah, know? it's like, like most people don't know who they fuck who who they are. Yeah. You know, I don't mean to cuss. I'm sorry, but they don't know who they are. And I know who I am through my trials and errors. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not going to touch that stove again, right? And I need to keep that in check. So I find channel ways to channel that. Like it, it wrestling just it prevented me from killing people, mm-hmm. right? It humbles me. It allows me that. Dude, I can, you know, let all that stress out on the mat or on the, uh, when I go roll. Same thing with uh, bodybuilding. I can leave it all on the weights. You know, I can take it out on that. And that's how I figure out how to leverage all that. I understand that my pride and ego is one of my flaws. And guess what? I need to check it. There's no need to be prideful. There's no need for, I know I'm good. Right. I don't need to prove to anybody else besides myself. And that's so cool having that confidence now. And this is something that's probably grown. I would say in the last two years. That's prior incredible. to this, I've I've lost still a lot of trainers because of my pride and ego. I've lost a lot of opportunities because of my pride and ego. Nothing's been perfect in the last five years that we've established this business. It may look perfect on social media. It may look like, oh, this guy's flourishing and killing it. Yes, we are, but there's a lot of headaches that happened prior to that. What uh, are you what are you struggling with? And feel free yeah. to just be as uh, you know transparent or not yeah, as yeah. you want about this but what are what things do you struggle with i, I personally struggle with discipline discipline just mm. being disciplined does not come naturally to me you yeah. kind of have some entrepreneurial add yeah even if i have something great in front of me i kind of you know it's like yeah. shiny object syndrome till this day trust mm. you got to think about it since the day i was born right anybody that's ever loved me in any aspect has left me mm-hmm. until i met my wife and my kids obviously you know but even then i almost lost that yeah Right. So for me to trust people, especially in business and in my personal life, that's always going to be an issue. But I've learned how to now embrace it. Same thing with my business. What if they are good people? What if they have their best intentions for me? You know, what if I let my wife completely in? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have an amazing relationship or I might get hurt, but I've been hurt before. So I know how to overcome that. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the thing. I understand that there's a possibility of getting hurt Mm -hmm. in any relationship in any business relationship as well. I'm okay with that. I can embrace that. I know how to get over it. That's incredible. Again, you're running towards the problem instead of away from the problem. You're confronting it head on and, you know, you're not thinking about the 1% of the time or 2% of the time it's going to fail. You're willing to put the work in so that it actually makes a difference. That's incredible. Well, uh, Miguel, we're going to wrap up. I really appreciate you spending the time with us here in your office, um, sharing with us about your life. Mm -hmm. And I know you have a packed day, so I really appreciate you letting us come in Uh, really quick for everyone out there. You know, we are putting this on YouTube. Um, is where, where can we connect with you? Where can we find out more about self-made training facility, mm-hmm. uh, following what you're doing, purchasing merch, yeah. plug away. So we have self-made training facility. Instagram is, it's just real simple. Self-made training facility. That's our corporate Instagram. So that's our main Instagram where you can see everything that we do. And then my personal handle for Instagram is self-made family Inc. SL, uh, self-made family Inc. And then for the apparel it's SLFMD family. Um, we have SLF. Uh, SLFMD. Okay, cool. like yeah. It. The abbreviation nice. of SLFMD, which that's a whole nother marketing campaign that 
that we did. And it's a very lucrative and, and promising business as well for us. But that's where you can find me. YouTube, same thing, self-made training facility. And then my own personal YouTube is Miguel Aguilar. You'll be able to see a lot of my backstories, my sobriety stories, things that I do in general. Uh, but the main, main source is always going to be Instagram. I'm real heavy on Instagram. Self-made family Inc is where you can either DM me, contact me. And yes, I do answer my own DMs. Yes, I do this manage my own DMs That's so cool. uh, and manage this. I never want to lose that because I understand even when I get to wherever I'm yet to, to, to become or do, um, I never want to lose touch of who has actually helped me get there. And that's why it's self-made family. That's why we are the self-made family. It's like-minded individuals driving each other for success and, and taking action behind the thought and the idea and not procrastinating because procrastination is death. Love it. Miguel, thanks awesome. again. I really appreciate it. Anytime, brother. All right. Have a good day, everyone. Wow, what an episode. I mean, thank you so much to Miguel and the rest of the self-made team here for letting us come record and film in the space. Uh, one of my favorite parts for sure was how Miguel was talking about uh, some of the different flaws that he's had, the different challenges he has had to overcome, but how that has actually helped him and um, and and taught him some incredibly important lessons about not only personal balance, but just kind of using those, um, the addictive personality and some of the ego stuff as his own uh, mini superpowers, like, like I kind of said in the the episode. So in any case, um, I really hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. I really hope that you're getting value from some of these guests that we're having. Uh, if you would go and leave us a review on iTunes or subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen to it, whether that's on Spotify, uh, iTunes, uh, wherever it happens to be, that would absolutely mean the world to me. And if you'd like to connect with me, uh, I am most active on Instagram at John O'Amen. That's at J-O-N-O-A-Y-M-I-N is my handle. And uh, Miguel in the end part of the episode there let you know all the different ways to connect with him and the self-made team. So in any case, thank you so much again for listening. Uh, Really appreciate your attention and support and we will see you in the next episode. What's up, podcast people? Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I would absolutely love to hear your perspective and opinions on the topics we covered today. So uh, if you're interested in giving me a shout, go ahead, head on over to Instagram at Amen is my handle. That's J-O-N-O-A-Y-M-I-N. And you can send me a direct message or interact with me on my stories. I'm pretty active on that profile. So uh, you can definitely reach me there. I also have a website. So if you head on over to www.jonathanamon.com, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-A-Y-M-I-N.com. You can go and read more about me and see some of the other content that I'm putting out as well as uh, some of the companies I run and just basically see what I'm up to. So anyway, thank you so much again for your time. And uh, I hope you have a kick-ass day.